Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I am glad you're here again, guys. It's Tuesday, March 16th. We're another day closer to the NCAA championships. They're going to start on Thursday. By the time you hear this, I'll be on my way to St. Louis, or perhaps I'll already be there by the time you guys hit play. Hopefully that gets you guys a little bit more excited for what's coming starting Thursday morning and what's going to take us all the way through the weekend. It's going to be exciting. I don't know if the speed or the tone of my voice gives it away, but I'm getting I'm pumped. I hope you guys are too. And hopefully this show will get you another step closer and will get you even more excited for the wrestling we're about to witness this coming weekend. Uh, We're back again. Another show, a few more interviews and a mailbag. Um, Today, you're going to hear a smattering of head coaches talk uh, about their teams and their preparation and kind of what they're expecting heading into this weekend. Um, I lined up interviews with Iowa's coach Tom Brands, Penn State coach Kale Sanderson, handful more that the NCAA made available to some of us in in the lead up to this weekend's tournament. Um, I, th- I think you guys might enjoy some of the insight that they bring just because, you know, on this show, we focus a lot on Iowa, Iowa State and I, right? Because that's the Des Moines registers in the state of Iowa. And that's who I mostly cover. But um, hopefully hearing from some of these coaches kind of get you maybe a little bit more familiar with some of the programs that, um, you know, those three schools are going to be going up against this uh, upcoming weekend. Before we get to all the interviews, though, um, I've made this show also a mailbag uh, just between the travel and a bunch of other work obligations that I've had to do this week. I just didn't have enough time to get you guys the written version of the mailbag bag that I know you you read every week during the wrestling season. So turned it into a podcast this week. Um, I want you guys to one, enjoy it. Uh, but two, I really do want to know what you guys think afterward. Um, if you like it, if you hate it, if you'd rather read it, all that jazz. Um, I know we tried this during the off season when the initial COVID-19 shutdown hit and we were all kind of bored and confused. So maybe this is something that we can continue to do moving forward, or maybe this is the only time, or I guess maybe the second time that we'll we'll do this. Um, so yeah, let me know what you guys think afterward. We're going to lead with the mailbag, and then we'll get to some more coaches' interviews. Let's cue up that intro music, and we'll get this show on the road. Thanks again for tuning in today, you guys, and I hope you enjoy. Hey guys, Cody here, doing a mailbag podcast uh, today. Um, so, I, you know, hopefully, just by the way that I was able to design the script, um, you know, I, hopefully this means I'll get I'll be able to get to a handful more questions. I know I only try to choose. Um, you know, somewhere between five, six, seven, uh, sometimes that my editors let me go a little bit longer if the questions are good and the content is good. Um, so, you know, I, I wasn't kidding earlier this year when my, on my first mailbag roll call, when I was like, you know, Hey, help me help you help me do my job to serve you guys. Um, you know, there is an element of that when it comes to, you know, trying to, to, to piece together the mailbag every week and, um, you know, we had some really good questions, and I think just maybe that kind of adds to the overall excitement of the week of of the national tournament. We had some really good stuff that pertained to the national tournament. We have some other stuff that, um, you know, just pertain to some other wrestling things that have been going on. Um, really enjoyed um, this week's uh, smattering of questions, so um, glad that a handful of you guys also were in on the joke, because um, I try to crack a joke every time I roll call for for mailbag questions, and so this week's joke was um, just I wanted to put the rumors to rest and, and clarify that I do, in fact, enjoy tough wrestling. And so uh, a couple of you were able to fire back with some funny quips and I enjoyed that. 
Um, so yeah, hope you guys enjoy the, the mailbag. We'll, we'll go ahead and get started. The first one, um, from Tanner Lefevre. Um, also just uh, a heads up. If I butcher your name, I'm sorry. Uh, call me out. Uh, let me, let me know how to properly pronounce it so that if we, if we do end up doing these things again, um, I'll pronounce them correctly, but also just so I know how to say it correctly, because you know, I got, I love interacting with you guys. Um, so yeah, let's, let's actually get to the first question from Tanner Lefevre. Um, he asks, I think Davison and Caffey are damn good. Warner dominated both of them at Big Tens. His only losses this season are to Miles Amin and Eric Schultz, and they were on late takedowns or in sudden victory. That first period takedown seems especially key for Warner. Cliche, I know. If he gets it, I'd pick him over anyone this week. All the tools are there, in my opinion. Your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts. Um, they generally align with the idea that Jacob Warner is one of many 97-pounders that can probably win the weight this week. It's one of my favorite weights um, of the tournament because you just you look at all the names that are up and down. You know, I just pulled up the bracket. Miles Amin is the one seed. Eric Schultz from Nebraska is the two seed. Arizona State's Cordell Norfleet is the three. Oklahoma State's A.J. Ferrari, who was my pick, um, to win it is the four seed, and then you've got Jacob Warner, uh, Nino Bonacorsi, Rocky Elam from Mizzou, uh, Stephen Buchanan from Wyoming, Noah Adams from West Virginia, um, Cam Caffey from Michigan State, Michael Beard's there, J.I. from Virginia, Lucas Davidson from Northwestern, Tanner Sloan, shout out Alburnett from South Dakota State, he's there. Uh, Marcus Coleman looked really, really good at the Big 12 tournament, and that's where I felt like the weight was the deepest if you divided it among the conferences. Um, there's a lot of really good dudes here. Um, and I would count Warner when Warner's on his A game. And I think I've said this before when Warner's on his A game, when he's moving his hands, when he's offensive and he's clubbing and he, like Tanner said, this is where I really agree with him. When he scores that first period takedown, I don't know that there's anybody in the bracket that can beat him. Now he's got to do that. Um, and now that I've said that out loud, part of me is kind of rejogging my memory and just remembering, um, why I picked AJ Ferrari because he's just he's he's wickedly strong he's positionally sound a little sloppy here and there he gives up points but generally speaking like the guy's wrestling IQ is pretty much through the roof um, so if that wants to be the if and you know they could hit in the quarterfinals Ferrari and Warner um, and I would absolutely take that match on Friday morning because I think that'd be a lot of fun um, you know I think if, if Warner's able to win that matchup I think that just kind of you know, you wonder what that does for his confidence, right? Because um, this is, you know, this is a guy where Jacob Warner, not that if he doesn't get the first period takedown, he doesn't win matches and his confidence is shot. Um, but history tends to tell us that if he doesn't get that first period takedown, the match is kind of open for the taking, right? If he gets that first period takedown, and we've seen it, um, he wins the match. Like, he wins it going away. Um, almost every time. So I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I know this is something that I really wanted to look up at some point just to kind of, you know, when, when Warner scores the first period takedown, how, do the, how does the match go? Um, the eye test says that he wins it most of the time. So um, I'm with you there. It's a wide open weight. Um, and I've, I've kind of said that from the beginning of the season. I think Warner has everything that it takes to win it. It's just a matter of putting it together and, and navigating these five matches if he gets there. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it's kind of the, the rest is really up to him when you think about it. Uh, from BMR Bob, that's at BMR underscore B-O-B. Um, his name's just Bob. Glad to hear you're no politician, LOL. How many All-Americans for the Hawks? I got nine, hoping for ten. Um, there's a possibility, guys, and the more I look at the brackets, the more I think it's 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 really, I, there's a strong possibility that the Hawkeyes put eight in the semifinals. Um, basically, everybody except Nelson and Murin is kind of who I'm picturing, and that's, that's assuming Warner beats Ferrari, which I think he's capable of. Um, you know, even if Warner doesn't beat Ferrari, you still got probably seven Iowa wrestlers in the semifinals. That's a little ridiculous. Like, that's really ridiculous, guys. Um, you know, your four one seeds, Spencer, Jaden, 
um, Marinelli and Kemmerer. Um, DeSanto's a four seed who I like his path. Um, Caleb Young's a five seed. I like his path. Um, Cassiope's a five seed. Col- Colton Schultz is going to be really tough, but that's a winnable match, right? Especially when it's folk style and he can grab legs. Um, I know Colton Schultz is kind of a Greco specialist, and I've been telling you guys not to sleep on him because he's been really good this year. But that, I think that's a winnable match for Cassiope, or at least I, th- I think that's a match that a lot of people are going to have circled and will be very, very intrigued by. Um, who am I missing? Four one seeds, DeSanto, Young, Cassiope. Who am I missing? Warner. Um, so yeah, I, there's a possibility they could put seven or eight in the semifinals. Um, you know, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking seven or eight all Americans for Iowa. Um, I think the floor is six. Um, that's going to probably rub some people the wrong way, but if they, you know, I, we could always talk about worst case scenario because we did just see Grandview lose at the NAIA national tournament a few weeks ago. Uh, but I think the floor for this team is probably six All-Americans. I think the ceiling is 10, and that's only ever happened once. I know people will probably ask about that. Uh, Minnesota, sometime in the early 2000s, had 10 All-Americans. None of them were in the NSA Finals, but it didn't matter when you have that kind of depth. Um, when everybody scores major team points like that, you win a national title, right? Um, I think Iowa, at their best, can absolutely have 10 All-Americans this weekend. So I think seven or eight probably sounds about right if you just kind of meet in the middle between the floor and the ceiling, right? Um you know, I think the, the big one's really to worry about. Um, you know, we touched on Warner a little bit, and absolutely there's a path for him to not only get to the finals but to win it. Um, you know, but let's say he loses to Ferrari in the quarters or he loses to Davison or Marcus Coleman. Or, you know, Nick Renan's a pretty tough matchup in the first round. I think he can win it. Um, so let's – I'm literally pulling the bracket up right now. If Warner loses in the quarters, that drops him to – 434 for those of you who have the bracket up. Okay, 553 is the bout number, so he'll probably see some combination of Rocky Elam, Cam Caffey, Michael Beard, or Eric Schultz um, in the blood round. Um, that's where, you know, I, it's not, that's not going to be a gimme. That's, you know, that's kind of my thought there. Um, you know, 184, I think Nelson as the 12 seed, right? If the seeds hold, he gets to the blood round. Um, but just kind of looking at the bracket, I, I like his first round matchup. I think Hunter Boland's going to be really, really tough to beat. Not saying he can't do it, but that's going to be a pretty tough matchup. So if he wins there, he goes to the quarters where he probably wrestles Parker Keckeisen. Um, if he loses to Boland, we're talking Nelson Brands here, drops him to 297. He's probably going to see uh, Devin Kane or Taylor Brown. Got to think that's probably a winnable match. So then that pushes him over to the next slide. Um, where he'll probably see Christopher Weiler from Wisconsin, maybe, unless he loses to uh, Navy's David Key, um, which I guess is entirely possible. I guess Gekeisen or Colbray, whoever wins that first-round matchup, could potentially lose there, too. That would put him in the blood round against potentially 432, who might lose that match, Tate Samuelson or Britt Wilson, maybe. Um, you know, because I just I don't see Trent. I think Trent Heidley is going to get to the finals, so that's probably who he'll beat in order to get to the semis. Um, I like Nelson's odds, you know, I, I think he can do it. It's just, you know, which Nelson are we going to see the Nelson that, you know, lost to Max Lyon and, uh, Zach Bronigle or the, or the Nelson brands that we saw at the big 10 tournament. If we see the Nelson brands, we saw at the big, big 10 tournament. Um, absolutely. He can finish on the podium. Um, looking at Murin's bracket, that's kind of the other, you know, when I'm talking seven or eight, those are the three that I kind of, you know, Hey, can they do it? Um, you know, he's got Graham Rooks in the first round. Okay, um, that's winnable. Then you'll get Ridge Lovett or Peyton O'Mania. You win that one, and both of those guys are beatable from your end, I'm pretty sure. That puts him in the quarters against probably Bula Wallen from Oklahoma State. Okay, um, but let's say you lose to Ridge Lovett again. 228, that drops you to um, a potential matchup against either Jimmy Hoffman or Josh Feinsilver. I think that's a winnable match. 
um, then that would put you up against probably Mitch Moore, Joshua Heil, whoever wins that one. Um, you know, that's a winnable match. And then that puts you in the blood round against potentially, if I can read the bracket correctly, um, you, know, you could see Tristan Lair there. You could see Mike Van Brill there. You could see Jonathan Milner there. Um, you know, like there's, there's really no easy path for 49. Um, you know, I, we're talking about the NCAA championships here, guys. There's really, there's really no easy path anywhere. Um, but those are the kind of the three that I worry about when I think, you know, are, are they going to get how many All-Americans are they going to get? I think, I, you know, six is probably the floor in case somebody goofs up um, somewhere between seven and eight, I think, is the real possibility. And, you know, if, whether it's seven, eight, nine or ten probably depends on those three guys, depending on how the bracket breaks. Right. Uh, from at Werder, which is Tony Werder, how high up in weight could Spencer Lee go and still be competitive? What weights could he be an All-American? Um, guys, he's really not that big of a 25-pounder. Like, he walks around at, like, 28, 29. Like, he's not huge. Um, you know, could he win at 33? He probably – I don't know that he could win a national title, but I think he could be an All-American. Um, you know, depending – you know, can you guys picture – Spencer Lee trying to wrestle RBY the way he RBY wrestles Austin DeSanto. Um, you know, Dayton Fix has a little bit of size on him, and that's a guy, you know, I, I think that the theory that he could bump up to 33 and win is that he's going to have to beat Dayton Fix to make the Olympic team, right, and to probably make future world teams. And so if Fix can bump up and wrestle 33 like that, the, the theory goes that Spencer probably can too. So I get it. Um, I don't know that he'd be as dominant um, bonus point-wise, at 33 but i think he could win and then bumping him up to 41 i don't know man like that's where i think the line gets drawn you know maybe he's an all-american at 41 but you know seeing him i there's not like a huge discrepancy in size when you kind of eyeball him and jaden ironman sitting next to each other but just you know him against chad red or him against you know i just the higher you go and wait for a guy like spencer the more energy you're exerting to score points and that our energy just gets sapped so much quicker when these guys are just bigger, stronger, faster, right? So, you know, I think he could probably bump to 41 and still be an All-American, but that might, you know, I don't, I don't want to say he needs the right draw, but that's, you know, you're giving up close to 15, 16 pounds right there. Like, that's that's tough, man. That's tough. I don't know. Weird question, fun question, kind of a weird thought exercise. Uh, from TrackHound, which is at TrackHound11. Highest Iowa State finisher will be David Carr. And I don't have any issue not second-guessing that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he was my pick to win the national title, right, at 57. So, you know, I th- big, it, which in hindsight, um, maybe a little out there, I guess. Because uh, when you look at the weight, um, you know, very clearly it's Ryan Deacon and Hayden Heidley. Um, and then it, it's not unlike heavyweight where, you, you know, David Carr probably leads the pack for third. But, you know, look at his path, man. Um, shouldn't have much fuss on Thursday. But then he could see Will Lewan from Michigan, who's a, you know, freestyle specialist. He's really tough. Um, that's his second round matchup. His quarterfinal matchup could be either Jacory Teamer, who he's beaten. I get it. Or Minnesota's Brayton Lee, who we all know is really tough. Um, and then in the semis, he'd hit Hydley, And if he wins, he gets probably Deacon in the finals unless something crazy happens, which let's not rule that out, you know. Um, you know, but I, you know, it, I think he's a potential fine. I think he can win it. Um, I think he's also, a, you know, he could still get to the finals and lose to Deacon because Deacon's been very, very good. Um, you know, if he doesn't get through Hydley, if he trips up somewhere else, I still think he's a top four, top five guy at the weight. Um, who could finish? I mean, who could match him from Iowa State? I think you need to keep an eye on Gannon Grenell. I think there's there's a path for him to get to the semifinals at heavyweight. Um, I don't see too much trouble for him getting to the quarters. If you're looking at the bracket, he's the sixth seed. Um, but he would get Matt Stencil from Central Michigan in the quarters, and that's where, you know, 
that's a winnable match, but which Gannon Gremmel shows up, right? Is it the Gannon Gremmel that wrestled Colton Schultz earlier this year and just kind of really struggled offensively, or is it the Gannon Gremmel that beat Brian Andrews in the Big 12 Finals? If it's if it's the second Gannon Gremmel, I, I absolutely give him a shot to beat Matt Stencil and get to the semifinals, where he'll probably see Mason Paris. Um, if not, he's going to have to win in the blood round, and you know I think he can still come back and maybe finish fifth, but we'll just kind of have to see how the weight unfolds. Um, you know, and then I think the other one is Ian Parker, um, seven seed at 141. Um, he, Big 12 champ last year. He was the four seed last year. He ended up losing to Dom Demas this year, but, you know, 41, he'd run into Nick Lee in the quarterfinals. Um, but, you know, I think this is a guy that when Ian Parker's at his best, he's probably top four in the weight. Um, now, has he, I think last year going into the NCAA tournament, he was wrestling at his best, which made me really excited to kind of see how that weight was going to unfold with him in the mix and the way he was wrestling. Um, so can he recapture that? And, you know, what does that look like this week? I don't know. I, I, I think at his best, he's a top four guy at the weight. So um, we'll see if he can bring his best. Um, 41's kind of weirdly deep when Chad Red, a returning All-American and routinely very, very good wrestler, when he's the eighth seed, you know you got a pretty tough weight. So um, we'll see. Those are, you know, but I, I think David Carr, and then, you, you know, you could probably have the potential for Gannon Gremmel and Ian Parker to maybe match him a little bit. Um, from Calvin Luzum, um, this is one of those names where I'm sorry if I butcher it. Um, he shared a question from Michaela Beck that was interesting to me. Didn't really have a lot to do with this week, but it really got me thinking. Um, it kind of tested my wrestling history knowledge. Um, Michaela Beck asked three questions. Best wrestler to never win an NCAA title. Best wrestler to never make a world team. And then best wrestler to never win a world title. Um, I don't know that I have exact answers for all three of them. I really don't have an answer for the best wrestler to never make a world team. But, um, you know, some of the best wrestlers to never win an NCAA title that came to my mind, like Brandon Slay, John Tringe, um, you know, maybe personally that I've seen way more up close, um, you know, like a Thomas Gilman or a Brandon Sorensen. Um, Kevin Jackson, I think, is probably the right answer here. Uh, but, you know, then there's also, you know, like Zeke Jones, Mike Deanna, Jerry Abbas, uh, Brian Snyder, I think, is underrated. Missouri's Daniel Lewis was very, very good and just he kind of ran into otherworldly talents every year. Um, Mike McMullen, the heavyweight from Northwestern, I think he finished like third, second, third, third during his NCAA career. Um, Adam Coons, a guy that never won. Um, Mike Mann. There's a lot. There's a lot of really good wrestlers that never won an NCAA title. Um, you know, and then you kind of look at who's in the field this year. Um you know, who, who could be added to that list, right? Like, could Mason Paris never get through and win a title because he's always had Gable Steveson? Um, you know, same thing with like a, uh, uh, who, uh, who else could, you know, Hayden Heidley, if he can't get the job done, I mean, he's got two more years now, but you know, I mean, he, he probably, I mean, he probably should have beaten Jason Nolf a couple years ago, but he didn't. Um, and then he ended up taking fourth, but he was in the finals as a freshman. Um, you know, I like, this might be a little out of my reach here, but, you know, Nick Lee and, and Roman Bravo Young, could they be two guys that, you know, and I think there's a lot of that goes into this is, you know, how do these guys do internationally? How do they do with their freestyle careers? You know, like, I, it's not like it's just, it just stops when their folk style career is done. So like a lot of these guys are probably going to continue on and the, do the senior level thing. Right. So how, you know, how do we measure it then? How do we, how do we like look back at what these guys have been able to do? You know, Thomas Gilman never won an NCAA title. He only made the finals once. And then he won a junior worlds or not a junior world, a senior world silver medal right out of college, you know? And then the next year he was, I think he finished, he finished fifth. He got back to the bronze medal match after losing in the, in the quarters of the semis or somewhere. So, you know, like 
I don't know. Like that's that's a very that's a very interesting question. I don't know. I, I think Kevin Jackson is the answer just based on his international career that followed, but you know, who knows? I, I don't know. You can make a lot of arguments for a lot of other people. Um, not even going to touch the best wrestler to never make a world team because just my, my I don't think my wrestling history is that great. Um, but the best wrestler to never win a world title is very interesting um, because you've got names like Lincoln McElravey, uh, Kerry McCoy, uh, Turvel Delagnev, I think has has a interesting case. Uh, Larry Kristoff, um, you know, he was really, really good for a long time. Um, Joe Williams, Kerry Colat, obviously, um, you know, Russ Hellickson. There's a lot of names there, too. Um, you know, it just kind of depends on, like, what era you grew up watching wrestling, uh, how you feel certain ways about certain guys. Um, you know, that's I, intriguing questions. I don't know that I have as definitive of an answer as I do for, like, the first one for the other two, like, especially not the second one. Um, but like to never win a world title, like, I don't, you know, like, is, is it Kerry Colad? Is it Kerry McCoy? Is it Daniel Cormier? Is it Larry Kristoff just because of his staying power? Like, I feel pretty confident that Kevin Jackson's like the best wrestler to never win an NCAA title, at least right now, in my opinion. I, you know, there's a lot of other cases to be made for like the best wrestler to never win a world title. Right. Um, really intriguing question. That got me thinking quite a bit. Um, from Dan Ruth, uh, Twitter name at great Dan Bino, which is phenomenal. Who are some dark horses from Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and former Iowa preps who you can see making runs at the NCAAs? We've already touched a lot on the Iowa guys. Um, so here are maybe some others or just kind of like my general thoughts about everybody else that has an Iowa tie at the NCAA championships this week. Um, Zach Redding from Iowa State. I, I, I literally labeled this out, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, and then former Iowa preps. Um, so for, I guess for Iowa State, like Zach Redding, I think, has a chance to reach the blood round. Um, in which case, you know, you give yourself a ch- you know, if you're one win away from being an All-American, you give yourself a chance to be an All-American, right? I mean, just kind of looking at the weight, um, if he wins his first round, which is absolutely doable, um, you know, just kind of depends on where the health of Ryan Sullivan is. Um, so I guess when he's healthy, that's a really intriguing match. But, you know, Redding, if he wins, uh, probably see Austin DeSanto in the second round. You lose there. You drop to the Russell backs, right? But then you'll probably see... Um, you know, Chance Rich or somebody that came out of the pigtail, um, you know, winnable match, I guess, is kind of the, the, the gist that I'm trying to make here. Um, you know, in the next round, you could potentially see, you know, Jarrett Tromley, Jarrett Van Vliet, one of those guys, because I think Mickey Phillippe is going to get to the quarters. You know, that puts you in the blood round against potentially, um, you know, Lucas Bird, Louis Hayes, uh, depending on who comes out of there. I mean, maybe RBY could lose. That'd be kind of, that'd be a really rough draw there. You know, I think he gives himself an opportunity there. Um, you know, some of the others, I, you know, I touched on Ian Parker, but, you know, Jared Dagan's first match, I think he's going to be absolutely crucial to his All-American chances. Um, you know, he wins there. He makes the path a little easier, right? Um, you could say that about a lot of things. You know, I think Marcus Coleman's in that same boat. Um, you know, uh, if he wins his first match, um, I think things become a lot easier for him in terms of just like the path to the podium. Right. Um, you know, and then I mentioned Gannon Gremlin, you don't sleep on the idea that he could get to the semifinals. I think that'd be really cool for them. Um, from Northern Iowa, um, similar thoughts, right? Like Brody Teske could reach the semis and it really wouldn't surprise me just kind of based on the draw there. I think his quarterfinal matchup, um, if the seeds hold, Hill, here I am pulling up the bracket. You guys can probably hear the paper. Drew Hildebrandt from Central Michigan, who's been very, very good this year. Um, but the, just the way that Brody's been wrestling, I don't know that I can count him out of any match. Um, so that'd be a tough one, but wouldn't surprise me to see him make the semifinals. And if he does, he'll probably see Spencer Lee, right? So, um, you know, I, another from you and I, I don't rule out a quarterfinal run from Tristan Lair at 149. Um, he's got Mike Van Brill to start, which is a really tough match. But if he can sneak through there, I don't think there's anybody else on the other side of that little quad there that 
he can't beat, if that makes sense. Like when he's on his offense and he's putting up points and he's finishing cleanly, um, you know, this dude can win some matches. Um, you know, and, and even if he doesn't get to the quarters, I think he could still potentially win a match or two in the Russell backs. Um, you know, maybe more. I don't know. You know, you get to the quarters, you're automatically in the blood round. So like that's you know, you put yourself in position to, to maybe do something really special there. Um, I need to see how healthy Lance Runyon is first before I kind of make a, you know, get a decent thoughts on him. Austin Yant at 65. I think he can win the pigtail match, and if he does, he gets Austin, uh, Alex Marinelli. Um, you know, and then I think his wrestling style kind of lends itself to being in matches, and he was able to put some nice things together last year at the Big 12 Championships, again this year at the Big 12 Championships, so it wouldn't shock me to maybe see him win a match or two in the Wrestlebacks. Um Parker Kekeisen, I think, absolutely can make the semifinals. Um, and then Carter Isley, hit, you know, not unlike, um, you know, Coleman or Dagan, his first match is super important. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that can reach the blood round and give himself a chance to finish on the podium. But, um, you know, it's easier, I think, to win your first match to give yourself a little bit of confidence. Um, you know, and then he, I think he would face Mason Paris in the second round, which, you know, um, ouch. But, um let me pull up the bracket and double check that. Yeah, if he wins, he's got Hunter Katka first round, who's not who's not bad, right? Um, but he wins, he gets Mason Paris, probably means he's going to the backside. Um, that's a long road. Um, but, you know, if you get that first win, um, I think that helps your confidence quite a bit. Former Iowa preps who are here, there's six of them. Three of them wrestle for South Dakota State, and I think those are really the three guys to watch. Um, you know, I could see Zach Price in the blood round at 133. I think there's a path for him to get there and – um, you know, at that point, you got to put together one good match, man. Um, you know, Michael Block is from Minnesota, uh, kind of in a similar situation, 149. I think he's the exact same seed. I think they're both the 14 seeds. Um, Max Lyon's kind of a toss-up at 84. I don't know. Um, you know, Kay DeVos at 157. Um, tough draw, but, you know, that's a guy that's, that's very technically sound. And, you know, we've seen him, I guess I've seen him at the Midlands Championships during his redshirt year. You know, when he starts winning matches, he can – he can come through and, and get on a roll. So I, you know, maybe shouldn't rule that out. Um, Max Lyon, I say it's kind of a toss up because I mean, he's going to have to beat, you know, I think his first round match at 84 is against uh, Owen Webster from Minnesota and they've traded matches. So let's say he wins that one. Okay. He gets Aaron Brooks from Penn state in the second round. He falls to the Russellbacks where he could wrestle Lane Malchuski, who he's also split matches with. So got to find a little bit of stability and um, you know, just, you know, you got to win those matches to give yourself an opportunity, right? But I think you know, there's there's a path there for him. And then Tanner Sloan at 197, I think should be able to make the blood round. Um, you know, you win your first match, you probably see AJ Ferrari, and AJ Ferrari beat him at the Big 12 tournament. So you know, can he get revenge there and maybe sneak into the quarters? Um, if not, you're gonna have to come through the Russellbacks. Um, I kind of figured that was gonna be the case for him, regardless. But um, you know, not not out of the realm of possibility that this guy could finish on the podium for sure. Uh, from Brian Fitzpatrick. Uh, he's helped plan 42,287, uh, fans at a wrestling event and a national championship in under six weeks. What is Luke Eustace from think Iowa city going to do next? He will probably leap tall buildings in a single bound. Um, he can destroy them if he wishes. He, uh, you know, and we just have to make sure that his cape stays dry cleaned for whatever he does next. No, I, what Luke Eustace and think Iowa city and the NWCA and Dick Simmons and all these guys, all these wrestling fans out in Eastern Iowa, what they did for the NWCA division three national championships last weekend. That's incredible guys. Like I know I said it on the last podcast. I'm going to say it again here. Just absolutely phenomenal. What they did for the sport, um, for those athletes, for those coaches, for those schools, just all around super awesome. 
Um, but I, you know, to directly answer your question, I, I actually asked Luke because I ran into him on my way out, him and uh, Josh Schomberger. Um, you know, I asked him the same question Saturday night leaving the arena. And, um, you know, Extreme Arena is actually, they're going to play host to a USA Wrestling recruiting showcase thing later this month. I don't know what the details of it are. Um, and then I think there's also a women's folk style national tournament going on that weekend as well uh, for high schoolers. So there might be more to it than, than that. Um, you know, but I think that's the next immediate wrestling event at Extreme Arena. I don't even know all the details of what that is because, hey, there's another national tournament here that I'm trying to focus on a little bit, right? Um, but those, I think, are the big things. Um, from Alex Oliver, um, at Alex Oliver 9 best wrestler you've ever wrestled? Um, this is good. So I was teammates with Alan Waters, who went to Mizzou. He was a two-time All-American. Uh, he was a four-time state champ from Missouri, um, he was so technically sound. He beat up on me for years. We lived in the same neighborhood growing up. Um, and so like we were always usually, um, you know, at least during like my 600 and 800 years, me and him were usually the two smallest kids at almost every tournament. So, um, Alan beat up on me a lot growing up, which, you know, that happens. Um, another name that came to mind pretty quickly was Cody Brewer. Um, he's also from Kansas City. He was an NCAA champ at Oklahoma. Um, he was in the U.S. Open finals not too long ago. He may have actually won the U.S. Open. Um, now that I think about it, but he, he beat the snot out of me for years. He won like a, he won the youth state title every single year here in Missouri. And then he went to Oak Park high school and won four state titles. And then he went to Oklahoma and won an NCAA title. Um, you know, he's an assistant coach now at Virginia tech. He, he would beat the snot out of me, um, every single year. Like he was just, he was the dude on the other side of the bracket that I just couldn't beat. Um, you know, and there are, there are significant levels to this game. Like I think the closest I ever kept the match between us was like, you know, six zero or five one or something stupid like that because I was just wrestling to frustrate him instead of wrestling to actually win the damn match because I knew I couldn't. And um, you know, just you know, he he went skyward, upward trajectory, became a phenomenal wrestler. I stopped after high school because I just I didn't have the I, mentally between the ears I didn't have it right. So um, you know, that, those two absolutely came to mind. And then the third one that actually came to mind was, uh, Ryan Mango, right? He, uh, two-time All-American at Stanford. He's made some Greco world teams. Um, his older brother Spencer has made, you know, a couple of Olympic teams. Um, we wouldn't see each other until like state tournament time. Um, but there was one year where, um, I finished second at the Greco state tournament to Mango. Um, and he threw me for, it ended up being four and that made him mad because if I remember correctly, I knew I was about to get thrown. So I kind of shifted my hips in the air so I didn't land on my head and the ref only gave him four points. I mean, he won the match still, but, um, that was kind of funny because he was just frustrated. Um, but no, like those are, those are probably the first three that come to mind as like the best wrestler I've ever wrestled. Um, and it's, you know, they're all right here in Missouri. So, yeah, Alan Waters, Cody Brewer, Ryan Mango. I, those are probably the best guys that I've personally ever wrestled. Um, you know, fun memories. Not very fun memories because they all beat the snot out of me. But, um, you know, it was just it was really fun to kind of watch those guys, you know, see them do what they did throughout their youth and high school careers and then obviously continue to follow them through their collegiate careers. And, um, you know, I still try to keep up with these guys as much as I can. Um, you know, I know Alan is still doing, um, I think he's still wrestling a little bit down in Missouri. Cody Brewer is obviously coaching and then Ryan Mango still doing the Greco thing. So I, I get to see these guys every now and again, and it's always kind of fun. 
um, you know, just to kind of hang around these guys and, and, you know, continue to pick their brains now. Because, I mean, these guys were elite level wrestlers, right? And so, you know, I don't have the, this, I still don't have the same thought process that they had and they continue to have, but, um, you know, always fun to just kind of follow these guys and see what they continue to do. Uh, final question from uh, Colin Wilhite, uh, <laughs> a follow-up to my uh, mailbag roll call. Was that, in fact, a tech fall? I will let you guys be the judge if this mailbag podcast deserves bonus points. Personally, I think we may have had a chance at hitting a major decision, uh, but you can tell me what you think, for better or for worse. Um, that's the mailbag podcast. We'll cue up that transition music, take a quick break, and then we'll be back with some interviews. Thanks, guys. That was the mailbag. Uh, thanks for everybody who sent in questions uh, this week and all season. I really enjoy doing it, and I hope you guys enjoy it too, whether it's written or this podcast form, um, which reminds me once again, let me know how you feel about this podcast version of the mailbag. Maybe we'll keep doing it uh, moving forward if you guys like it, or maybe this is the last one we'll ever do if you hate it. All feedback is welcome. Just let me know. I really appreciate it. Uh, we're going to move on to the interviews now. Same deal as yesterday's show. The NCAA made select coaches available to the media ahead of the NCAA championships, and I've turned their conversations into a podcast here for you guys. So here's who we've got coming today. Iowa's Tom Brands, Penn State's Kale Sanderson, North Carolina State's Pat Papalizio, Oklahoma's Lou Rosselli, and Missouri's Brian Smith. They all touched on a bunch of different topics uh, about this wild and weird season, what to expect this upcoming week, the opportunity to compete, plenty of other things. They also talked about their individual programs, and I thought that this was a cool aspect to add to the podcast. We focus a lot on Iowa, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, uh, but listening to these coaches will hopefully give you guys more of a sense of, you know, Penn State, NC State, Oklahoma, Missouri heading into the weekend. I think it's always kind of fun to just kind of hear what other programs are doing. Um, So I hope you guys enjoy that too. We'll run through them in order. Tom, Kale, Pat, Pop, Roselli, and then end with Brian Smith. I hope you guys enjoy the conversations, and I will see you on the other side. Uh, Tom, at the beginning of the season, you really emphasized the importance of getting to the finish line. Now that it appears that you're going to have that opportunity, um, is there a sense of relief or does that not come until you make it until next Saturday? Uh, I don't think there's ever relief um, as a, you know, especially when you're here's the thing, you're going for all the marbles and there's still, we're a week out. Um, you know, we, we just one day at a time, get ready to go, be the best you can be, keep getting better, good attitude, fight attitude, those types of things. Is there relief? No, not really, because we're seven days out to tournament time, six days out and we leave Tuesday and we got probably seven tests with COVID between now and then. And and then we got four more in St. Louis and so on and so forth. One day at a time. Scott Dockerman. Yeah, Tom, is there, are there any differences at all between competing at the elite level for college championships and what comes next for Spencer and other wrestlers, uh, the Olympic trials? And if there are other than of course, style and, 
you know, what are they in your eyes? Uh, I mean, one day at a time again. I mean, let's take this one tournament at a time, which one event at a time, which is our philosophy. Um, there's a lot of important events. Um, there's a lot of important events that are circled and highlighted and, you know, underlined in red on that calendar. And these guys take them one at a time. Uh, they've done a good job at keeping that perspective. Um, they've been good leaders for our young guys that, you know, they get all hyped up and they're looking way ahead. Hey, let's take care of here and now first. And um, that's a good perspective to have for, for anything you do. So without getting ahead of ourselves, let's just stick to 18, 19, 20 March, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next week in St. Louis. Uh, Chris Warner, go ahead. Hey coach, I'm not sure if you're aware, but it was a year ago today um, that everything kind of shut down in the sports world. What do you remember about that a year, a, a year removed? And what did it, what do you remember about what it kind of took this year to get back to back to kind of where you were ready to go last year? Well, first of all, you have to credit a lot of people. You have to credit the NCAA, you have to credit the Big Ten, the individual conferences um, that made this season happen. And they did it under criticism. They did it, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the world that don't look at sports um, as, as vital. And sports is vital. It teaches a lot. And young people, they need that. And especially young athletes. Um, we're not all going to be athletes, but we're not all going to be other things either. And so these athletes, they needed an outlet. And it, you know what? Good leadership got it done. And I, I tell you what, that's what I'm excited about. Um, you know, you talk about the past and all that and the path to get to here. I give a lot of credit to, to the higher ups. Good job, people. Good job. You made it happen. Let's keep making it happen. And let's keep everybody safe as well. Uh, I'm not downplaying the safety factor. Um, COVID's no picnic. That's a good quote from a mentor of mine. So um, um, we definitely know the dangers, the risks, um, the concern, the pandemic, the global concern. Uh, but you know what? Young people need to do what young people do. And young athletes need to do what young athletes need to do. And our leadership has risen to the occasion time and time again. Good job. Darren Miller. Coach, what were some things uh, you saw at the Big Ten Championships that were really encouraging for you as a coach moving forward into the NCAA Championships? Well, I'll tell you what, you, um, um, here's the thing, you know, that's what we talked to our team about. Um, there's things that we did really, really well. And we give you credit for that. And I, I don't think I need to go into details, but um, to kind of skew your question a little bit toward our team, um, you're going to run into some things that are going to be adversity that are going to be tough and you're going to have to keep rising to the occasion and doing the positive or doing the, um, you know, what making it go your way. And it didn't go our way every time. Um, but our guys did a lot of good things on that wrestling mat and we need to correct the things where we can get sharper and we need to elevate the things that we did well, even into the next level, the, the into the way up in the higher, higher levels and just keep getting better. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, you, 
obviously were an elite athlete. You've been around elite athletes uh, your whole life. Where does Spencer kind of fit into that equation? You know, even even on the cusp here of uh, next week's championships. Uh, he's, you know, first of all, probably, you know, he's been called, you know, once in a decade recruit. And now you have this, um, you know, whatever you want to call him, but he's not done yet. And so you can talk about all the things that he is, uh, but he's not done yet. And he's, he's, he rises to the occasion time after time after time. And he's a tough, he's a tough guy, but more than that, he's a unique minded uh, athlete. And it's, it's a joy to have him in our room, in our program. It's a joy to see his maturity into leadership roles um, on a lot of different fronts. And he's become more of his own man. Uh, I think we all do as we get older, uh, but he's, he's still got work to do. And he knows that and he articulates that very well. And that's, that's where we got to keep the perspective. Keep doing it, keep getting better, keep coming to, uh, to work or whatever you want to call it every day with a, you know, a good attitude, so on and so on and so on. And he's doing it. Cody? Hey, Coach. Um, where have you seen Spencer grow the most over the last couple of years? Uh, there's a lot of things. You know, I pause and I think and I just he's become more of his own man. Probably the, the probably the biggest, um, you know, thing where um, he's very sure and he's always been a great advocate for our program and how we talked and the, the energy and the positive and, the, you know, he's a good sportsman. He won sportsmanship awards. Um, so he's well liked, you know, in the hallway in the back. We were, you know, interacting with some people in, in the media room after the Big Tens and. You know, he definitely has the respect of his peers and he definitely respects his peers. So, you know, that's awesome. But the biggest thing is, is he's become his own man. And he's very perspective oriented where he knows that the things in life, um, the fruits of the labor are there, uh, but he's not in a hurry to go get them. And that's very, very unique. And that's what I mean by being unique minded. He knows that the work comes before the fruits of the labor are, are, are realized. And um, wow, what an advocate, what a leader, what a partner as a coach, as a coaching staff. And Terry can attest to this probably more than I can, um, just because of the one-on-one -on -one there is a little stronger and a little bit more personal maybe. Um, so without speaking for Terry, I think he would probably say the same thing, that we have a guy there that his, pers his perspective is to get better every day, and he's got the right balance. But he is a ferocious, ferocious competitor. Do not mistake that. Do not forget that. Uh, Mike Willis. Hey, Coach. Uh, I always got four number one seeds. Uh, what does it take to develop a team where almost half the wrestlers are favorites to bring home a national title? Uh, I mean, you just do your job during the year and that takes care of itself. And even if you do your job during the year, I mean, the way the formula is, I mean, there was some skewed, I mean, you can't debate that there, there's some skewed things and I'm not talking about against Iowa. I'm talking about, you look at some things where the, the formula came into play and, you know, it doesn't make sense. And so the bottom line is, as you do your job during the year, the formula is going to put you in the bracket. 
Um, there's very little opinion, I guess maybe 10% or whatever, 20%, I don't know exactly. Um, so opinions out of it. So do your job during the year. If you make a mistake, you gotta come back for it. And we wanna be our strongest at the end of the year. And wherever you're at in the bracket, whether it's the number one seed or anywhere else that you're placed, go do your job and do it at a high level and be ready, ready, ready to go. Triple ready. Cody? Um, I asked Spencer a variation of this question, but you know, to have the team in this position and really just the, the success that you guys have been able to accumulate over the last couple of seasons, um, you know, this, this is what you pitch them when, you know, on the recruiting trail, this is what you sell them on every day in the room. How, how nice or re rewarding is it to know that, you know, that vision has, I mean, it, it, it has mostly come true, right? There's obviously still work to do next week in St. Louis, but you, you guys are in that position that you kind of sold them on that. How, how rewarding is that knowing you guys are this close? Um, I, I, rewarding is a funny word to me. I mean, you know, um, the, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, is we got a lot of good guys that their lifestyle is intact. They understand what lifestyle means. Lifestyle isn't part of the year thing. It's an all the year thing. Um, they understand that and they go to work that way every day. They're tight. They hold each other accountable. Um, they're good to our young people. Um, you know, so we just got a lot of partners in this thing. And, you know, you got to give credit to a lot of people. You give credit to your coaching staff. Um, Telford, Morningstar, Terry Brands, Mariah Stickley is our director of ops, you, or Mariah Marinelli. Um, you know, Jesse Don with our medical team. I mean, I talked about the leadership and that's a big part of it. And then, and then you talk about our people that are on our roster and our, our Hawkeye wrestling club. So, you know, reward or how rewarding, um, we just keep every day. That's the message we want to, you know, keep the perspective, keep, just keep getting better every day, go out and do what you do best one match at a time. And you keep that perspective and, you know, we're going to be fine. You know, our, our mindset was just uh, looking at the Big Ten. Obviously, you got to get through there, but just as, you know, it's just all preparation, you know, preparation for the national tournament and then also just um but you know that's just the, should be the mindset all the time regardless just trying to learn and just improve and get better uh every week whether it's between you know whether it's today or or you know a week after the nationals or big, so i think uh yeah i think this is unique uh season i think uh the experience that our kids were able to get at the big big 10 championship is uh very valuable and uh, obviously it's up to us and and them to uh, just take advantage of that and to, to, you know, to move forward. Could could you talk about the leadership of someone like Nick Lee and what he's done for these freshmen? Yeah, I think Nick's uh, he's a confident kid, and um, you know he does does all the right things. So he's a great leader, work ethic wise. Uh, you know, Aaron Brooks, you know, same kind of thing. So um, yeah, you you know you need obviously you need leadership. Because, uh, you know, situations, cases like this, it's not like, you know, we need to fire these guys up, get them ready to compete. Um, you know, it's more about just kind of helping them breathe and just relax and let's go have some fun and be the best we can be. 
you know, and um, so having guys that already have that experience mentality focus is, uh, is very, very helpful. Okay. Thank you, Kel. Yep. Thank you, Mike. We'll go to uh, Jake next. Yeah, Kelly, you know, you just talked a little bit about Nick, you know, even, you know, him as a leader and how important he is, you know, how have you seen him and Joe interact in the room and how important do you think it's been for Joe to have Nick there, you know, along with him? Well, I think you know, they obviously grew up together, training together, uh, talking about their plans and their goals and everything together. Um, I think Nick's uh, probably a great big brother, just in, that he leads by example. And uh, they definitely feed off of each other. I think that's anytime you have brothers on the same team, that's a challenge uh, for the individuals because they wrestle uh, each match. You know, they wrestle their brother's match. I know personally, I had two brothers on the team that would wrestle before I did when I was in college. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's something you have to manage. You know, you have to manage your, your emotions because you want them to win so bad. And you just, uh, so I think, they're, they're definitely feeding off each other. I think they're, they're learning and they've been on the same teams for a long time. Um, I think, uh, you know, Nick's important for just to kind of help Joe um, kind of bounce back after the big 10 tournament and just, you know, believe in himself and know that he's, uh, he's capable of getting in there and, and uh, doing some big things. Ben, go ahead. Kale, you guys are rather successful at uh, the Big Ten tournament. How prepared do you guys feel going into NCAAs? And do you feel like you've learned something that you maybe didn't know uh, before Big Tens? I don't think you ever should be too surprised by results, right? Because, you know, the way we practice and we see we put these guys in tough situations and, and uh, you know their strengths and, and their, their weaknesses. Obviously, you're trying to focus on, um, on strengths. But, you know, I think we uh, we definitely came out of the Big Ten, you know, disappointed, obviously. Um, but I think when you take a step back and look at it, you know, our team kind of wrestled probably above where we were supposed to or at least to that level in, in the majority of the weight. So, but we just have this belief and expectation that we're going to just kind of have uh, these just awesome performances every time. And, and, and so – it's just kind of taking uh, those small steps and, and kind of reevaluating like, okay, here we go. Let's just focus on what we can uh, take care of. Definitely grateful to, 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 for the opportunity to even be able to have a national championship um, and to be um, going with nine, nine student athletes. And uh, just, it's a team that, you know, want, they care about one another, you know, so just, we have a lot to really be excited about and, and uh, definitely excited about the opportunity to be able to compete for national championship next week, but it still comes down to just each individual just being the best they can be. That's really kind of our focus. And, and uh, that's how we'll probably get our best results, but we're excited about next week. I, I still believe, you know, we'll have our best, uh, our best tournament uh, at the national. That's kind of how we, how we gear everything. Andy Elder, go ahead. You know, the Big Ten tournament can be eye-opening, especially for freshmen. Have you seen any changes in attitude or approach from the freshmen now that they've been through the Big Ten and, and know what it's like to be under fire in that much pressure in a tournament like that? Yeah, I think I think they've been in there. I think, you know, anytime you jump levels and you wrestle in a new event, I mean, there's, there's just maybe some uncertainty. So I think, yeah, definitely – uh, confidence levels, regardless of the outcome, they've definitely, uh, definitely uh, jump. And uh, just kind of knowing that uh, you know, we're close, you know, those guys are close, everyone's close, um, just make some minor adjustments. Um, but 
go into the nationals and uh, let's just see what we can do. You know, let's just go in there with a smile on our face and, you know, easier said than done too. And that depends on the team you have and the kids and um, some the personalities, but, um, but yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, we, we had a great experience at the big 10 um, kind of got our butts kicked a little bit, but still kind of showed that, you know, we, we, we get a takedown here or finish this or do that, that we're, we're close. Jake. Yeah, Kale, you know, obviously Brady, it was his first tournament in, you know, close to over a year and he came back and qualified, which he hadn't done in a while. You know, how impressed have you been by what you've seen from Brady? And, you know, what do you think it says about him that he's sort of stuck with it through everything that he's been through? Yeah, Brady's a, he's a, just an awesome uh, guy, young man. I mean, he, uh, he, he's overcome a lot. He's worked really hard to get back. You know, I mean, what he went through is not, it's not like a, you know, he hurts his knee or his, his shoulder or something. And, you, you know, you have a surgery and come back. I mean, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. And, and he's done everything he can. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really proud of him and, and just happy for him. And uh, obviously this next week um, uh, is, it's just a great opportunity for him to, to just kind of even uh, take, take things up one notch. But we've seen he's, he's right there with the top guys and uh, very capable of, of doing very well at the Nationals. Ben? Kale Carter Sirachi was recently named Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Um, Aaron Brooks won the award last year. What kind of example does that set for the young guys coming into your program, already in your program? And what, is, you know, what does that say about you guys moving forward? Well, I think that's, that's important for any program, right? You've got to have your freshmen believing that they're supposed to win. I think that's one of the reasons we've been successful is uh, just having kids place high at the nationals and, and having four-time All-Americans and, and uh, kids placing and actually competing for national championships, you know, all four years of their, their careers. But yeah, Carter, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's very confident and he, he works very hard and he's, he's, he's obviously very talented in addition to that. So, you know, he's, uh, he believes, you know, he believes that he's supposed to win and, uh, and he's, he's a tough kid too. I mean, we've seen him win some tough matches against some very experienced, very tough, tough wrestlers. And uh, uh, it's nice to have that. And, you know, we know uh, it's just, it's kind of a funny year too, because I mean, he's got four more years after this year. So, you know, it's just kind of the same with, with everybody. So, um, so this year is a great year to gain experience, but it's, it's, it's not just about experience. I mean, you have an opportunity to go uh, compete and win a national championship. I think that's, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Andy. Kale, for a guy like Greg Kirklevit, who is obviously very talented and has been very successful. Um, what do you think he learned from, from wrestling some guys who are bigger than him and, and maybe as athletic that he could, um, use going into nationals yeah i think greg uh uh he, he did a he, he did a really nice job he won the matches that he had to win right he, and, he, and he did it uh convincingly um and he ran into arguably lost to the you know two of the top three guys in the country that have been very consistent with a lot of experience and uh you know with the the situation that he faced i mean him even competing this year is uh, I wouldn't say it's a miracle, but it's, it's definitely uh, was unexpected. You know, when I said that we weren't expecting him back, we weren't expecting him back. You know, he literally, I think I said 
week or so ago, he got cleared a couple hours before weigh-in. So, and, and it wasn't like he was training. He wasn't, he wasn't cleared to train. So he just jumped in there. You know, people are wondering, well, why is he a little smaller? Well, you know, you can kind of put two and two together and realize, well, he wasn't training. He wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't able to do anything. So, you know, he'll be, uh, that experience is good for him. And uh, he, he's, he's going to, he's going to do well at the nationals. You know, I'm excited for him. He's, uh, he's looking really good. Mindset's good. Body's looking good, getting bigger and stronger. And uh, that for him, the big 10 was definitely preparation. You know, it was more about, all right, let's get some matches in, let's train and uh, you know, get ready for, for the NCAA tournament. And we'll take two last ones and then let coach go Andy first. And then Jake, you'll close it out after Andy. Kale, it seemed like um, every match Robbie Howard looked like he was more confident and showed more offense. Um, how excited are you to see what he does at nationals and how much more is there to his game that we have yet to see? Yeah, I think uh, Robert Howard just getting started. You know, he was, he had a, a, a major surgery after the state tournament as a senior, which was a year ago. So it's not like he was in here training all summer and all fall and then, you know, just developing and, and uh, you know, he, he was, yeah, he was rehabbing and, and getting, getting back to being healthy uh, most of that year. So it just shows you, I mean, he's, he's a very talented kid. He loves to compete. You know, he, he has a little, he has some spark and, and some fire and uh, he, his, his best days are, are definitely ahead. So uh, yeah, he's a, uh, Man, I, I, I don't know about you, but all I can see is Justin Bash's uh, cartoon character on the screen. I don't know why everyone doesn't – everyone else doesn't have one of those. It would be a lot more fun, Bash. Um, but, um, yeah, I think Howard's just getting going here. And, and uh, again, Big Ten was great preparation for him to kind of see that he can, he can go. He can go with the best guys. Coach, I think uh, five of the six teams in the ACC ended the season in the coaches' rankings. Uh, what's it like to compete in, in such a, a tough conference and, and one where you know uh, every conference duel is, is going to be against a quality opponent? Yeah, uh, I think, first of all, the ACC is uh, one of the best conferences in the country, and that's due to the, the coaches we have involved here right now. Uh, the conference is definitely elevated. Um, when you look at the rankings and the level of every individual and, and the teams, uh, I think it's helped us a lot. You know, uh, each team has had to elevate their game. Um, and you see it, you know, when we get to the conference tournament, the, the competition's tough. It's elite and you got to be ready and you got to be on your A game. Um, and I think that's something maybe in the years past we've been missing to prepare us for the national tournament. And uh, we finally have it. You know, when you get in our conference tournament, I know it's small, but every match matters. And they're tough, gritty matches that you got to win. And I think that's something we saw this this uh, past conference tournament. You know, the, there was a lot on the line for one individual seating, and then getting guys um, scoring points for you to, to win the thing. There's a little added stress um, when you're in the team race, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's really helping all the schools in the ACC. Go ahead, Andy. Coach, from what we've seen, what we've heard from Hayden Hydley, he seems like he's the, the ideal um, role model for a program. Great, in the, great on the mat, 
great in the classroom, great personality and interacting with, with fans and, and other people. Um, is it any coincidence that he has been kind of on the leading edge of the program's resurgence and he's a great role model for both members of the team and people that you want to bring into the program? Yeah, I think that goes back to, you know, guys like Wisdowski and Machiavello, uh, Tommy Gant, you know, they, they got momentum going for us. Uh, guys that believed in, in what we were about early in the stages. And then I think timing was critical for Hayden to come here and, and carry that torch. Um, and again, his maturity and his leadership has been first class for us. And our culture is something we focus a lot on. And, uh, you know, when you find an athlete that mirrors that and is a 4.0 student athlete, you know, working to, to be perfect in every aspect of his life, uh, I think it, it shows when he's out there competing. But, you know, without that leadership, yeah, I think things could be different here. And uh, people have bought in around Raleigh and, and love what our guys are about. Um, it's hard not to like a guy and root for a guy like, like Hayden. And if I could just follow up um, with his brother Trent now on the team, um, both great wrestlers, but different individuals. Could you just tell how they compare and contrast and add to the, the overall culture of the program? Yeah, I, I think when you, you know, you get a chance to talk to both of them, you can tell they're, they're very motivated, very focused uh, athletes. And I think, you know, Hayden is a little different in his ways. I think he's obviously the maturity level where he's at. It's uh, you can have a, a really in-depth conversation. Trent is one you can probably joke around a little more closer to competition. And, you know, he's, he likes to celebrate, be a little more flashy. Um, he likes that limelight. And I think, you know, Hayden likes winning, but uh, he might not be as flashy. But at the end of the day, those guys uh, represent our program in, in the right way and do things right. But, uh, yeah, I, we noticed the difference. You know, there was a couple matches this year where Trent was out, and it was just a different feeling when we were traveling. And, you know, when he had his appendix removed, um, we had a couple first matches, and he wasn't able to go with us and stay back. And there was just that – we were missing a little bit of that, that mentality that, you know – toughness that you want uh, behind the scenes and in that relaxed setting. Um, so they, they both bring this set of confidence. One's a little different than the other, but it, it, it is a, a good recipe for us right now. Uh, so a couple of years ago, uh, the program kind of took the next step, got on on the podium at the NCAAs. Uh, what's it going to take to, to take it one further and, you know, get on the top of the podium and, and knock off, you know, maybe some of the, the front runners like, like Iowa uh, this season? Yeah, no doubt. You know, you got your work cut out for you when you, when you got programs like uh, Iowa and, and Penn State where they're at. They've got history and tradition. We know that. Um, you got to step up. You know, you got you to gotta really elevate your game. You got to have a guy come through like Tariq did a couple years back that was unseated and got hot and uh, won a lot of matches uh, by bonus points. So, you know, all our guys – one, got to wrestle to their seeds, which is not an easy task to do. It doesn't matter what team or what athlete you are. And then you need a guy or two to, to really step up their game and, and score points that you didn't expect. Um, and, it, you know, we all know anything can happen in the national tournament. It's a wild, crazy tournament. Um, no one has an advantage over anyone with last year not, not having it. So every athlete's been out of the game as far as the national tournament for the last two years. So it's going to be a fun, interesting competition.
Well, I think it, you know, obviously, you know, the day-to-day -day life is very consistent. Uh, things stay the same with that, but uh, it's always great to have a team that, you know, contended for the championship and we tied with Oklahoma State, but I think it, you know, it, it's it's what the school wants. They want us to, to win big 12 championships. They want us to contend for titles. So it's a start for, you know, um, I don't think it's, you know, where, where, where we need to be just yet, but I think that as we continue to keep making progress and keep getting the right people in, you know, in our program, um, the standard of excellence continues to rise. And, um, you know, it, hopefully eventually it's just an expectation that you, you contend for a big 12 championship every year and, um, and you're fighting for a national title every year. And actually, we'll let Mike Willis uh, from USA Wrestling and Mike kind of just stick with it as you have questions here and I'll jump in if I need to. Hey coach, um, I'm just wondering, how are you guys going to kind of, uh, you know, relay the momentum that you built from the past weekend into the NCAA tournament? And how do you kind of keep that energy and positivity, you know, high and, and uh, where you want it to be going into the championships? Well, at this stage of the game, you know, the, a lot of the physical stuff is done, you know, so it really is about being positive and being focused and, and having your mind right to compete, you know? And so as, as we keep moving forward into the um, end of this week and, and the beginning of next week, it's really just, you know, shortening the workouts, you know, getting people's minds right, making sure that people believe in what they're doing, making sure that they're ready for the event, making sure they have all the details um, handled. And, and there's a lot of details, you know, when it comes to wrestling, you know, meaning, you know, from making weight to nutrition, to taking the knife, enough water intake in, to, um, you know, to get enough sleep. So there's a lot of little things that go into being successful. It's not just the performance on the mat. It's obviously all these little things outside of wrestling that, that have to be handled. And then obviously your mind, the mind is the engine. And when your mind's good, everything else will, will follow. So you got to keep building that day to day. Coach, what's it been like to kind of build the program from when you took over a couple of years ago to, to where you're at now and kind of heading into the NCAAs and kind of, you know, how this program has grown since you were hired and where you're at now? Well, you know, it was a challenge. You know, I think that, you know, when I got here, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of things that have to be done right, you know, and there's a lot of buckets to fill. And I think what happens is, you know, there's, you start with your recruiting and your culture and then building an academic standard and then building your Olympic program, you know? So I think there's a lot of things that go into that. And I think each day you're just trying to continually stay focused on the things that matter for us. And um, from where we started to where we are now, obviously, you know, when I got it, my first year here, you know, we, we did take second in the big 12s, but the conference wasn't nearly as strong as it is today. You know, they have, there's new coaches in the big 12, you know, at Iowa state and West Virginia and, and uh, South Dakota state. And so guess what? I think it's a, it, it's a little bigger accomplishment now that, that to get a, a win and to win the conference than it was five years ago. You know, I, we don't, we, now we have a bunch of guys ranked and guys competing for all American and national championships. Um, so I just think that, you know, different recruiting pool, um, building a culture of excellence, having a consistent standard of, of the way we do things and how hard you work on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, all these things matter. And then obviously there's always building that Olympic program. So it, it's changed uh, immensely, you know, and that we're just going to continually keep building. That's all we can do is keep building brick by brick. So coach, during a normal year, winning a conference title is a big deal, but what does it add to it? Maybe that it was during the COVID-19 year, a year where, you know, everybody faced, uh, an amount of adversity that potentially, you know, they hadn't seen before? Well, I think it's, first thing, like you said, winning a conference championship is really, it's an incredible feat, you know, and I think it, especially with, with uh, the teams that we have in the big 12, um, you know, being able to, to, to win a championship is, is in year five was as huge, but I think the challenges the kids had, you know, when I think about them, I think it's, it's, 
some of them in contact trace and some of the inconsistency in their training because of contact tracing, because of COVID, because of things that happen, the new protocols and procedures that are in place for them. Everything's new to them. I, I just think that they've gone through a lot of things, you know, and uh, we're, we're excited that, you know, that we got the big 12s, uh, you know, we got through those and now we're talking about, you know, the NCAA championships and getting through that, you know, so I just think that it's been a challenge for them because the consistency and training has been tough on everybody, you know, and so you see some people that a year ago were stars and they don't just don't look the same right now. They're not as ready as they should be. And some of it's, some of it's just not their fault. They're just not as ready as they were because, you know, they, these kids need mentored, they need tutored and they need, they need all the things that, that the coach does for them, the providing of the structure, you know, the coach has a, is an integral part of what, you know, happens at, at an institution, you know, and I think the kids, when they don't have that, especially now with virtual classes and everything, they, they need that. So I think they've been challenged, you know, incredibly. And um, I think a lot of them have handled it well. It's people that want to compete and, and do, uh, you know, and obviously they want to fight for national title, you know, have done the work, you know, but, but I'd say for them, the kids, it, it's been, you know, it's been interesting, you know, and I think some of them, most of them have done a really good job managing it. Coach, looking ahead here to St. Louis and kind of your final preparations, just what are your thoughts on your team uh, and the guys in the room that you'll be bringing to St. Louis and, you know, what you're telling them and what you're looking forward to, to, to getting back and having an NCAA championship to compete in uh, this year in 2021? Well, it's really exciting, you know, just to get the event off. Um, I'm excited about the guys that we're taking. Uh, you know, obviously, I wish I would have had, you know, a couple more in there. But, um, but I feel like each guy has, they, it's within their grasp. They want a place or being the thick of it, it's in their grasp. And I think if if you believe in something enough, then um, then then you'll be able to you know perform the way you'd like to. You know, what, once you get to a certain level, it's about your belief systems and what you're willing to what are you willing to settle for. You know, and I think that we got some guys that you know will go out there and fight for for what they want. And and I'm excited to see how competitive they really are. You know, because I know you have the ability. I know they they're, they're trained right. I know they they feel great. And we're doing all the little things that we can do to make sure that they have every chance possible to be successful. So I'm really excited to see who's going to show up and who, how bad you want it. You know, how bad somebody really wants to be successful at the national tournament. And, um, you know, and we, re we realize it's going to be really competitive and every match is going to be a war. But um, I think that those, that's the fun part of the, the tournament is you, you see people's competitiveness come out and you see how bad the passion that they have, each kid's passion, you go, I, I could see it in his eyes, you know? So I'm excited to see where some of them, you know, how, uh, they compete at, under the pressure and all the other the protocol. That's going to be a little bit different this time. But and who comes ready to fight? So it should be fun. Uh, coach, so when you take over the program, obviously there's there's guys from the last coach. There's guys that have been with the program for a little while that aren't necessarily you, your guys, but you coach them. Now that you've you've got it up and running, the recruits coming in are your guys. The guys that are going to the NCAA tournament are the the guys you recruited. Um, what's that like as a coach to kind of see that cycle sort of take place? Well, like you said, you know, when you get here and you take over, you know, they're always all your guys. They're just some of them you, you recruited and some of them you didn't, you know? Um, and I think, you know, the thing is this, I, everything's built around relationships. So having a good relationship and understanding who's who and, and what they're all about and influencing them to the level that you're supposed to, you know, is, is really important, you know, but uh, the guys that I recruited, you know, obviously, you know, you, you have them here for a reason. They, they come to your program because you know they, that, that they have talent, you know, and then I usually say you stay in the program because you're tough and you can do the work, you know, so the talent gets you there, you know, so I just think that, you know, you know, whether I came and took over some other, somebody else's recruits or the guys I have, 
you know, my job is to manage them and try to build relationships and, and try to get the most out of them, you know, and get them an education, you know, get these kids, you know, obviously you want to win in wrestling. That's just, that goes without saying, we should never have to, have to talk about that, <laughs> you know, then, but there's other parts to what we do, you know, and education is one of them, you know, mentoring them, making sure they do things right. And, and, um, so I just think that it's a lot of things, you know, and I, I know people want to say he's his guys, he's his guys, but at the end of the day, they're all your guys. You got to, you got to help them. And our job is to impact people. And that's, uh, that's just what you do. Yeah, I can't, I've lost count how many times it's been in the state of Missouri since I've been here. And it's, it's like eight or nine, which is amazing. Uh, I'm on year 23. So it's, uh, it's crazy, but uh, it's been enjoyable. I love when it's in the city. It, it definitely has helped grow the sport in the state of Missouri. When it first came, I think it was in 2000 or whatever year it was, the, my second year here. It was amazing just how many young kids that I ended up recruiting down the road saying, man, I got to see wrestling at the national tournament and being there and how it influenced their lives. So this national tournament, how it moves around the country definitely has an impact on young kids and how uh, setting goals later in life. But for the program we have coming into St. Louis, it would have been exciting to have the sellout crowds and all that, but it's something we've gotten used to during this year. We've taken a few punches as a, as, everybody in society has and and just dealing with it our team really hasn't flinched we uh got to get back in our weight room in the summer and then in september getting back in the wrestling area and so we've been very fortunate you know being in a school where a conference was playing football and doing all those things they allowed our program to come back probably earlier than most so very pleased about that and where we're at as a program i have five five of these ten have never wrestled at a national tournament. A couple of them uh, qualified last year as freshmen, but didn't get to go. And I have a couple true freshmen in the lineup. So it's a very young group, but 10 of them and uh, seating. We had some, you know, where we're seated. I, I, I don't know if I ever say I like or dislike. It's just, we got to go wrestle. And, but uh, when you look at the lineup that we've thrown out there all year and how they've performed, it's exciting. You know, I'm excited about the future of our program and this coming week, you know, the, a week and a half from now when we get to compete. Hey, Coach. Uh, Missouri's had a really dominant season, obviously qualifying 10 for the, the national championships, uh, running away with the conference title and, and pretty much dominating all your dual meets. Uh, does it get tough to evaluate what you guys need to work on and where you need to improve when you are having such a level of success? Honestly, no, because this team, I mean, I, I was thinking of uh, it was the semifinals of the conference or something, and Keegan O'Toole was coming off, and I think he won 12 to 3, or I forget what the score was. And he's like, man, I'm not going to win a national championship wrestling like that. And he, they're very, really tough, and, and they have high expectations. So when they're only scoring so many points or they're not getting majors or pins and tech balls, the, the competitor in them is, man, I got to get better. And our practices are – I've been coaching, this is my 24th year as a head coach in Division I, and probably my 31st year as a coach. This team is that team that just loves to learn. So they want to get in the practice room and they enjoy it. So that's what's been, you know, everybody's saying, oh, what a difficult year and this and that with all the outside things. But inside our, inside our room, it's been a joy to coach. Joe Lyons, go ahead. Hey, Coach, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Joe? Doing good. Um, 
just watch your other e email, but I just wanted to uh, ask you, what is it, all the other, there, there's other teams that are expected to be at the top. Nobody's kind of talking about you guys at all. Does that bother you at all? Or is that, is that a good thing for this group? <laughs> you know what, I get used to that. We, we always show up with a handful. We always do well. And uh, so it's, I, for us, it's just, we just do our thing. You know, I think we started the year off ranked like 20 something and that that's not unusual for us. And yet we keep moving up and beating teams. We're not, we're supposedly not supposed to beat and doing those things that that's a big part of our, the identity of our program. Everybody just kind of overlooks us. So I hope they do at the nationals too, because we're coming in, we're excited to wrestle. We're going to come in with bringing some high expectations, some guys ready to wrestle. I know that. Are there guys that you feel like will be the, the ones who will, step it up or, or just kind of do what they do? Well, I, our, this team has stepped it up all year. You know, we started off, I, I tried to make it as tough of a schedule and that was not easy just scheduling anybody. And we got to go up to North Dakota state, South Dakota state and uh, Oregon state. And we went up there and I think we lost a couple matches the entire day. And then uh, we had central Michigan and Wyoming who were two really good teams. When you look at the end of the year, how they performed at their conferences, and we lost a couple matches in that day in the, in the duels. And then we went up to Iowa and wrestled at Northern. I think it was at Iowa State with Iowa State and Northern Iowa. And I think we lost one or two matches that day. So it just, it continued. And this team just continued at that level. And I kept waiting, well, maybe they're going to have a setback. But every time it was time to compete, this team got excited. They stepped on the mat. We're really grateful and just, you know, wrestled with tons of energy. And we have a board in our locker room that has, like all the stats with the pins and majors and tech balls and our guys love it and they compete for it and they want to get their name on that board. And that's fun to see with our guys that uh, it's an enjoyable team. So coach, the, uh, the kind of younger guys on your team, you've really got some, some hammers. I think at uh, UWW juniors before the season started O'Toole and Edmund, who's not even in the lineup yet, kind of yeah. ran through the tournament. Elam was in the finals too. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that group of guys that you have that sort of just came in in the past year and two? Yeah, that recruiting class was special, you know, and, and we knew what we were getting. And when they got down here, finally, I think it was in August when most of them got here. It was interesting to hear our upperclassmen talk about, you know, after rolling around with them saying, man, our room just elevated a bunch. And they were coming and talk to me in my office and going, man, these young guys are special. And just, and I had known that because I've known Rocky since he was a little kid. I remember meeting Keegan O'Toole when he was like in eighth grade when I was doing an Askren Academy work thing up there. And, but just knowing them for a long time and then just the talent coming in, how the expectations just immediately just went up in the room. We didn't know what kind of team we were going to have. But after the first week, everybody was like, this is going to be a special run over the next few years that we're going to have because we really don't have anybody that's even a junior in the lineup right now. So it's uh, we're going to have this team for the next few, few years. So I just look at it that Keegan Rocky, those guys, and that's the new kid you're getting nowadays that especially with USA taking these kids abroad and they're on national national and world teams and competing at high level tournaments all the time. Rocky Elam was training with Jaden Cox, his first semester of high school, his senior year in high school. So Jaden just called me the other day and he's like, how's my guy doing? And 
that's Rocky. He trained, you know, he was training with Jaden. So when he got back to high school, he was probably bored. You know, I was wrestling every day with Jaden. Then I had to go wrestle high school kids, but he ends up winning the state coming here. But he's he's prepared for this. You know, he's prepared it at such a level that when I was the kid, that didn't happen. That uh, the kids you're getting in your room now are a different level than probably a decade ago. Uh, Coach, could you uh, specifically about O'Toole, he, uh, you know, I think he started the season at 157 and he bumped, bumped up to 165. Uh, obviously, from a team perspective, you've got 10 going to the NCAA, so it, it worked out. But can you talk a little bit about him kind of settling into his weight class? <laughs> it didn't take long. He loves to eat. And uh, even at, like when he won the U-20s, he only had the one way in. I think he was like 15 over by the time he was finished. And it was like, and he was talking about what he was ordering, you know, the food delivery services that were being delivered to him. So I think he, we knew he was going to be a 65 before it was all said and done, but uh, he wanted to see how he felt with the cut. And after the first week he performed well, but he was not happy with how he was feeling. And, and I just think if a kid's happy when he's wrestling, cause it's a grind, it makes a, a big difference. And I, when I put together, when I was looking at the situation with COVID, our freshmen go from their apartments to the practice room and back to their apartments and the, you know, online classes, maybe they have one class that's in person, but they're really stuck in a rut there. And, and, and if he's cutting weight and he's not getting to be around people, it's a tough thing. So we just felt like I went to uh, Mako, who was the next weight up. I said, you know, I think we're going to bump and you're going to go up too. And he was like, let's do it. Let's, let's get this team and let's do it er earlier than waiting till the end of the year. So we made it the decision right after the first competition and it worked out great. Brian, what are just your thoughts after last year? You know, that it looks like you're the, you know, what you felt in 2020 and what you feel now a week out uh, from going down to St. Louis. Just, well, right now I feel grateful. You know, I'm just, when I hear people complaining about, oh, there's no people in the building, there's not going to be this, or, you know, reporters can't go. And they, I'm like, hey, it's all about the kids. They, you know, seeing the faces of, you know, Dylan Wisman and, and Connor last year and my seniors, that Connor Flynn, that when they were told, you know, your careers are over, you don't even get to go have that opportunity to become an All-American. They were just crushed. And Brock Mahler, who had a chance to win it last year and seeing the tears and how they felt. And then we had to turn them away and then say, go, school's closed now. You got to go home and we can't even see you. And just dealing with the mental side of that, that I, I just, you know, I told you, this team hasn't flinched. This team has really grown a lot during that year. And I, I really think of the adversity these young kids have gone through that this is going to be, you know, they always talk about the younger generation soft. I look at this generation is going to be a tough generation because they're going to say, man, they're going to do the old stories of walking uphill both ways. And they had to do that in this time. And I just am so appreciative what Anthony Holman and what they and I know the time he had to put in just to run an NCAA tournament before, but hearing him talk last night and just saying, guys, we're going to have this tournament. And you have to step back sometimes and say that to yourself and remind your kids, hey, we're getting to go. Let's just appreciate this and be grateful. People are going to get to watch it. I can't even imagine what the TV viewership is going to be. And people so grateful to sit down and watch wrestling at this highest level. And we have 330 athletes competing. Uh, we're blessed. We're really blessed as a sport that this has happened and a lot of great people put that together. So I'm, I'm very thankful for where we're at as a sport.
Excellent stuff from those coaches. Appreciate their availability ahead of this week. And I appreciate you guys listening as well. We're getting closer. Thursday's going to be here in a blink. I know I said that yesterday. I'm saying it again here today because it's it's almost here, guys. Tomorrow's Wednesday. We got one more show, a couple more things uh, written that are coming for you guys. Uh, by the time you listen to this show, the next show, I'm going to be in St. Louis. I'm going to tweet out a picture of the arch as soon as I get there. I'm amped. I hope you guys are too. But that's all we've got today. Super long show again, but thanks a bunch for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow me on Twitter at Cody Goodwin, Instagram Cody J. Goodwin, and be sure to also subscribe to the Des Moines Register to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. Be sure to check back all this week, guys. More podcasts, more stories to get you ready for the NCAA Championships in St. Louis. It's going to be great. You will not want to miss a thing. You can find all the links to do all of that, as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. That's it for this episode, you guys. Thanks a bunch for listening. We will talk again soon.